You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for the Leap a newsletter that you can subscribe to. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Expert Tuesday. Today, Ben Fennel from The Athletic. He does a terrific job. He's also a producer over at CBS. Just announced he's going to be working on the Iron Eagle Charles Davis crew with CBS. So the guy's football bona fides are undeniable, and he loves to get into the weeds with this stuff. So we are going to do that with him a little bit later. To start, though, final cuts today and We don't, as of this recording, have any of the numbers or the players or anything coming in. So uh, we are we are not going to have the surprises or anything like that. That's going to be on tomorrow's show. You know, we are a daily show, but we can only do so much here. And that is just the reality of uh, the news cycle and that the Packers chose not to start naming names. They could have some teams, you know, there are there are seasons where we start to hear about this stuff on Sunday, you know, right after the game, we're hearing about, OK, such and such a player is not going to be on the roster. Now, part of this is they've changed the schedule. So they're now having to get down to, you know, you got to get down to your first year 90, then to 85, then to 80. And so you're you're closer than, than you had been in years past to getting down to that final 53 already. So the, the low-hanging fruit, as it were, well, they're already gone. So you don't you don't have the same benefit of just being like, okay, well, we know these guys aren't making the team. I, I do want to do a, a refresher on this. Because I, I had to do a quick refresher on some of it myself. The practice squad rules from last year, which they changed because of COVID, are still in place this season. So you still can have, uh, it's the expanded practice squad, the 16 guys. Plus, uh, there are guys that can be uh, untouchable every week. So you designate uh, players who can be uh, unclaimed and you can have up to six players. And this is a big one who have more than the usual accrued two seasons. So you can have veterans on your practice squad. It's how someone like Blake Bortles could wind up on a practice squad where in his years past, you couldn't do that. Basically, the, the old rule was to protect veterans. And say, okay, if you want this veteran, you have to sign him to the 53. You can't ha- let him languish on the practice squad. Well, I don't I don't know if that was always a good rule. I think there were probably times when guys were unsigned when they could have been on a team if these practice squad rules had always been the case. I think they should keep the practice squad rules. Why? Why 
have these restrictions. If there is someone out there who could be on your best 69, Gaty, then why not allow it? And if you're going to pull someone off someone else's practice squad, you got to elevate them anyway. You got to sign them to your roster. You can't just snipe and then they're on your practice squad now. It doesn't work that way. So that means that there are some some players on the Packers, veteran guys who could get cut and end up on their practice squad. Someone like Equinemius St. Brown could come back on the practice squad, whereas under other circumstances, he would not be able to do that. Someone like Dennis Kelly could be cut and come back on the practice squad, where as in previous seasons, he would not have been able to do that. And players placed on IR, once they've made the 53, can return after three weeks, not the normal six. This is another big deal because someone like David Bakhtiari could start the season on IR and or could, could make the final 53 be put on IR and be able to come back in three weeks and not count against your final total. Now, I continue to believe he is not only going to be on the 53-man roster, he's going to be active for week one. I think he's playing week one. The other bit of housekeeping that we have to do here before we get to Ben is the, the location of Packers Saints for week one is very much up in the air right now because Tropical Storm Ida tore through the Gulf Coast and there are hundreds of thousands of people in Louisiana still without power. Now, apparently, you know, the, the Caesar Superdome is in pretty good shape, but people have to have power. There have to be streets that are clear. There have to be relief efforts underway for a lot of people. And there is just the basic baseline optics of, okay, there are a lot of people who are dealing with some really heavy stuff, destruction and and life-threatening situations with provisions and just how about potable water? How about food to eat? How about access to medical care? It looks really bad if you're having a football game in New Orleans and by the way, dedicating resources to, to those players, you got to have security, you've got to have police managing traffic. I mean, there, there are going to be a lot. It takes a lot of public resources to manage an NFL Sunday. Those are resources that the city of New Orleans may have to allocate elsewhere. So it may just logistically not be possible. Now, Sean Payton said yesterday that it would not be in Green Bay. That I think that would be unfair. You're adding an extra home game just from a competitive balance standpoint. You wouldn't want that. Um, now, because of the uneven schedule, the Packers do have uneven home and road games. Every team does. Um, that's just the nature of how the schedule works out. But it sounds like, and Peter King you know, wrote about this, and it's been you know, suggested if you want to keep it close, but at a place where you have an available stadium, Dallas makes the most sense. Houston is home, so you can't do that for week one. Dallas is away for week one. Well, the Packers own Jerry World. Aaron Rodgers' name is on the deed. And so... You, you don't, I don't even want to get into like the competitive advantages of 
being able to play there versus in the Superdome because what's going on and, and the circumstances that would necessitate such a move are dire for a lot of people. I don't think it would be in good taste to to talk about that, at the, certainly not right now. You know, if, if that is the case, if it's played in Dallas the week of, we can have some sort of conversation about it. But we have to be thinking about how this could all change. And, and the fact that the Saints, they're probably not going to be in the city this week. And they've said so. Um, they're trying to figure out logistics and trying to there. We're all, we're all sorting through what this is going to mean for the schedule and the league is sorting through it and the teams are sorting through it. And there, there is a very real question about where the game is going to be played. It will be played. It sounds like barring, you know, new issues. And it almost certainly will not be played in green Bay right now. It seems like the most likely destination is in Dallas. Now, who is going to be on the final 53 for green Bay? Who's going to be on the final 53 for new Orleans? We don't know that yet. That's information we're going to be getting in the coming hours. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for pro and college football action this season, and that's that's what you're here for, right? Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a one hundred percent. Welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet. And if you lose it, they will cover it. They will refund it up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing to your favorite casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Use the promo code locked on to maximize those offers. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get to our friend Ben Fennel. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. He is the longtime uh, NFL draft and, and combine producer over at NFL Network. He also does some film work over for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he is now the CBS XO producer on the Iron Eagle Charles Davis team. Pretty cool stuff there. Ben, great to be with you. It has been way too long since we've had you on the show, and I'm very excited to dig into all this with you. It is great to have you here. It's always overdue talking to you, Peter. Uh, We're sitting here. Finally, the preseason is in the books. We can look ahead to the regular season. Obviously, have some cuts and some roster moves coming the next couple days, but exciting times. The college slate has started. We're into football season. I am so excited. You can you can smell it. You walk outside. It just smells like football <laughs> season. The fall air is starting to come. You start to get that a little adrenaline as everything's going on. It's just some 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 good stuff. It's it's a, it's a good time of year. And you know, I, I spent a lot of the preseason, and I, and I I know you did too because you're a sicko like I am, looking deeply at at the kind of the things that that the Packers are trying to do defensively. Some of the the evolution of of Jordan Love, and and I spent much of yesterday's show talking about Jordan Love, but part of the reason that I wanted to have you on was you had a, a tweet about your sort of evaluation high level um, at, with, with some details in there 
So let's let's break that down a little bit more. Uh, you, you you listed a number of things that you felt like were were good. A couple things that you felt like he still had to work on. So let's let's dive in a little bit. So just just baseline initial reactions. Like okay, we saw him play for four plus quarters. What is the first thing that if I said, hey, what do you think of Jordan Love? What's your answer? I was impressed, uh, you know, considering we didn't see him last preseason. We essentially had two rookie classes to debut and give opportunities to get on the field and see what we have. And that conversation starts and ends with the first round trade up quarterback Jordan Love. Uh, he played in two games, uh, the first one against the Texans and this past week against the Bills didn't play against the Jets. 66 snaps, 39 dropbacks in the pass game. And we saw a lot to get excited about. I thought when he played within structure, he knew where to go with the ball. He was accurate. He was decisive. I thought he showed a good combination of throwing the ball with touch and throwing it with velocity, which is two different styles of putting the ball from A to B. But for the most part, had a pretty good feel in the pocket, was willing to keep his eyes up against pressure. And the interesting thing with all these, Peter, is the young quarterbacks, and like I had tweeted, it's all about consistency. Play to play, drive to drive, week to week. So for every good I'm talking about, I can show you a play where he did the opposite. So as much as I say pocket feel and eyes, Yes, he did have that play where he got the ball stripped out the back door when the speed rusher beat the left tackle that he should have climbed up a little bit. But you always have to weigh the full body of work. And for the most part, I thought he maneuvered inside and outside the pocket really well. We saw some of those creative arm angles at times to throw above defenders, around defenders, particularly on the perimeter action stuff with play action boots or maybe some screen game where defensive linemen are coming at him and he really needs to pick and choose a throwing lane to get to the ball carrier. And then his ability to hit the checkdowns, Peter, which I really felt like you started that conversation a couple weeks ago against the Texans, going all the way across the field, finding A.J. Dillon on that one particular play when he really had green grass in front of him to run. That is a next-level play from a young quarterback. Young quarterbacks quite often use their legs in lieu of understanding where to go with the ball late in the down. And the fact mm. Jordan Love was able to go all the way across the field on his progressions and hit his check down, let the 240-pound running back break tackles and get tackled to the ground. Protect yourself as a quarterback. And just this past week against the Bills, the first play at a halftime, seven-step drop. By the time he hit his seventh foot, he knew where to go with the ball. It was only a check down, but it got out on time, accurately, in structure, and you get an easy seven yards on first and 10. Now we're cooking. Some of the issues, though, Peter, want to see more urgency in his drops, particularly just getting out from under center, whether it's Love or Kirk Benkert, want to see more urgency. And that is easy, easily visualized with them getting their feet stepped on, which yep. those plays are busted plays. You work so hard in camp and install and in the film room and practice field and indie and team sessions to be perfect in those scenarios and you get your foot stepped on at the line of scrimmage, the play is dead. You cannot, cannot, cannot have those. And the other thing with urgency is carrying out your fakes. Even though you handed the ball off, you need to sprint that bootleg fake like you have the ball. And if you can grab the eyes of just one defender, one edge rusher, it allows your blocks to then leverage their assignments on the play side or maybe cause a defender to hesitate. Some other things, drifting, falling away unnecessarily, uh, and then the decision-making against pressure needs to improve. And that's nothing uh, that wouldn't show up on most young quarterbacks, you know, resume after their first couple of games. So uh, all in all, Peter, I was impressed. And it never looked like the game or the moment was too big for Jordan Love. 
And I think that's all you want. At the moment, being in an NFL field against NFL defenses, he looks the part and can compete. And I think that's really all you want from a young quarterback at this stage. Yeah, you mentioned the, the fake one. I was talking with Justice Mosqueda about some of the zone reads looks that they were showing out there. And, and we were positing that they probably just told him to hand off in those situations. that They weren't true reads. But that is something that could be in this offense if and when Jordan Love becomes the starter. And there was one time where he did give a hard fake on, a, on an inside zone give. And it the linebacker bought it because he has that sort of athleticism. It's it's one of the few things that could be in the playbook when, with Jordan Love under center that probably wouldn't be in the playbook with Aaron Rodgers under center. You, it's one of the only things that works that way and not the other way around. Honestly, Peter, I think that's one of the more underrated, unspoken aspects of Aaron Rodgers is what he does once he gets rid of the ball. Right. And last year in particular, defenses had no idea where the ball was going whether Rodgers was keeping it, whether he handed it off. And Rodgers' enthusiasm and effort and urgency carrying out some of those play fakes, it really captured a lot of the eyes of defenders and caused them to either hesitate or take a false step. And Jordan Love really needs to take a page out of that. It's something that Rodgers has said before that he reps. It's not It's not something that we normally talk about with, you know, what what a quarterback is doing in the offseason. It's usually footwork. It's, you know, could be creating a little bit more velocity, um, you know, ball placement and tying your feet. We talk about tying feet to eyes and all that stuff. But Rodgers has said, I work on ball handling. I work on play fakes and and tying footwork to the fake and the timing of all that. It's something that Jordan Love never had to do at Utah State. I mean, he, he never had to be under center turn his back to the defense, ball fake, set, see what's going on, and then find the guy. I mean, that, there's a lot of information you have to process in there. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the the workload and what's on these NFL quarterbacks plate can be very high variance from what they were asked to do in college. And that's part of the limitations of the tape in college is you don't always know what their responsibilities are going into the huddle and out of the huddle and executing the play. Some have a very manageable workload and manageable responsibility. Others don't. And typically that all gets heightened into the NFL where some have a learning curve and some don't. So I think Jordan Love had a little bit more of a learning curve than some other quarterbacks. And we're going to find out how he develops and whether he can take the NFL coaching and the responsibility that NFL quarterbacks have. All right, let's pivot to the starting quarterback because Aaron Rodgers uh, decides to come back. We don't have to, to worry about that right now. He's going to be the quarterback this year as long as he is healthy. So we saw this leap in year two, and, and Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have talked about some of the work they did in the offseason of pairing back some of the concepts, emphasizing some concepts based on, okay, we've seen everyone now in this offense. We know who is good at what, and so let's let's tailor it to that. How do you take this offense that made that leap where you picked all the low-hanging fruit and now you ratchet it up a little bit more from a schematic standpoint. If you were in those meeting rooms, what would what do you think they're doing? What would you be saying? Like, hey, let's 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 go in this direction and let's try and tweak it this way. Well, you know, when I look back at the 2020 Packers and the offensive side of the ball with the MVP of the NFL, it was a beautiful marriage of scheme and talent. Now, you had higher level talents at certain positions, the quarterback spot, you know, left tackle, uh, number one receiver and Devontae Adams. And you maybe didn't it at some other spots, whether it was running back two or tight end or slot receiver. So if you have a scheme and a foundation that works, 
and you have the right bodies at pillar positions, elite talent, and it's just adding more talent to that scheme. I think that's what they wanted to do with getting, you know, an Amari Rogers of the world or, you know, trying to find more back end speed of the roster. I think just finding more high level players to incorporate into a scheme is the name of the game with Matt LaFleur. And I don't say this lightly and I don't say this to stir things up and I don't say this to be confrontational. If I had to divvy up the pie last year of Aaron Rodgers versus Matt LaFleur, I may give Matt LaFleur 75% of the pie. I think what he did as a play caller and instilling a foundational scheme with an elite all-time quarterback was a beautiful, beautiful marriage. And I really mean that in saying Aaron Rodgers was an MVP game manager. The throws he was yeah. asked to make, the offense he was asked to run, was very quarterback friendly. And that's okay. That is okay. And I just don't think it needs to be so hard, as I say you know, so many times. Mm-hmm. Receivers don't have to have work to so hard. hard to get open. Why make tight window throws all the time? Um, you know, So I love just the scheme and the foundation LaFleur has instilled. Now let's see if we can add more high-level players at the certain positions that are featured in the offense, particularly slot receiver, yards after catch threats, deep threats, dual threat tight ends. There's still some improvements at certain spots. It does seem like there are going to be some some little tweaks um, on on some core concepts. And we've seen in the preseason already on on that the, the boot concept. I mentioned this on Twitter on my Jordan Love thread. Rather than bringing the tight end across the formation when you have the unblocked defensive end, bring a receiver across and now you have a receiver in the open field instead of a tight end, something Sean McVay. Uh, it's at least that was the first person I saw do it uh, of this new school Shanahan tree, uh, a group of play callers. I don't know why they're not running leak like five times a game. Not really, but <laughs> that's something that I just, I, I don't know why, even though I know it's in the offense that they don't go to more. I still think there are, there are a couple things that, that there are some tweaks schematically that I do think they can make. But to your point, Better players always always makes these things easier on the defensive side of the ball. Well, real quick, Peter, before we put the offense to bed right there, you know, it's also adding just more layers to the foundation and the plays that work. Right. It's making sure no play is naked. And what I say by naked, mean by naked is make sure it has pre-snap motion. Make sure there's some sort of misdirection or eye candy for defenders to think about. Make sure the quarterback as a post-play assignment after handing off or maybe after throwing. You know, it's just adding things to the offense that already works. And I love, Jesse, you had mentioned that little under route, the horizontal aspect of the offense. There are so many different ways to get guys running left and right and get them open without working hard. And I think what they have works. Now let's just add more creative layers to it. So I don't think because they do A, B, and C so well, we need to see some X, Y, and Z. It's just adding more layers and dimensions to what they already do. Yeah. A1, B1, C1. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, with, with this defense, we've heard a lot from, from Matt LaFleur and, and Joe Barry even about how, you know, a lot of the stuff translates from what they were doing last year to this year. But w- when I look at the scheme that at least we assume they're going to be running most of the time, and we'll see how, how Joe Barry decides to, to integrate this in with his personnel. It seems like the biggest changes are going to be how they play in the front, 
how they deploy their personnel. These are these are not small changes. And then in the coverage, I mean, Mike Patton liked to mix coverages. He was just more predictable than you'd want this defense to be. I thought it was so damning when Dennis Kelly gets to the organization and says, when we played the Packers last year, we knew what they were in every play. Every play, we knew that we knew the defensive calls. And I don't think that's going to be the case this year. So what do you see as those differences? And how do you how do you think that plays out in terms of improving potentially this Packers defense this year? You know, and reflecting on the Mike Pettin era, I think it's important to note, I was okay with some predictability, Peter. I was yep. okay with some vanilla. After the Dom Capers, where he, <laughs> you know, played a hybrid scheme with a lot of movement, with a lot of post-snap disguise, what did we see quite often? Coverage busts and yeah, confusion busts. and guys not where they're supposed to be or maybe disguising yourself out of coverage where Packer fans were saying, you know what, just line up and play. Stop, you know, putting yourself out of position. Mike Pettin, We knew he came from Rex Ryan, the Jets, of exotic defensive calls, but really allowed his front four to eat, which that 2019, they were winning one-on-ones all over the place. So he dialed back the blitzing to start 2020, rightfully so. And at the expense, it was kind of a boring vanilla defense. So you turn the page to Joe Barry, and I'm uh, right, you know, lockstep with you. It's going to be similar to Pettin. They're going to play a lot of zone coverage. They're going to allow a lot of completions. You're going to try to rally and tackle the ball carrier in front of you, keep the ball from going over your head down the field, make defenses go 10 or excuse me, offenses go 10, 12 plays and put together long drives on you. And the big changes will be personnel, which I cannot imagine will be playing the same amount of dime as we had been playing, which has Mm -hmm. led the league by a long shot under Mike Pettin. We're hoping to see some more base defense, some more, you know, solid and consistent nickel personnel defense of linebackers that can play the run and aren't liabilities in the past. But to your first point, we're going to see a lot of differences in the defensive front which should then help the run defense and then should help the linebackers, which should then put them in some more third and long situations and really help the collective unit. But this is a team that it's not about the X's and O's, in my opinion. It's the Jimmys and Joes on defense. And they needed to get better play at spots. The Dean Lowry spot has to get improved. Tyler Lancaster's spot had to get improved. The outside linebackers needed to play better last year. And I think this year, adding some more competition – and there might be some more turnover with uh, some of those mainstays than we think. Yeah, don't be surprised. I mean, obviously, we're we're giving ourselves a chance to be scooped here when we're having these discussions. But uh, you just never know with roster cuts and especially the way the Packers operate. I'm I'm so excited to see this duo of safeties in this defense because when you think about what just just the the most familiar defense. That we the last time we saw a Vic Fangio defense in the Packers division was with Vic Fangio in Chicago, and they had Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson. And huh. and you look at this group now, a lot of the things that you like about Darnell Savage are also things that you like about Eddie Jackson. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you lose Amos, one of the most steady and assignment sure guys in the league at any position, and Eddie Jackson's uh, production has gone down. I'm, what do you see from those guys and what do you think uh, their potential impact can be this year? Well, I think Amos is going to be a really good fit. And uh, just to bring it full circle for fans, Joe Barry playing a lot of two deep, particularly quarters, cover four scheme, which means your safeties have run reads and run responsibilities. The Rams played an elite defense last year with Micah Kaiser and Troy Reader at linebacker for most of the season. 
This is not a linebacker. some of the lightest boxes in football. No question. But their safeties behind them, Jordan Fuller and John Johnson, were arguably the best tandem in the NFL. So spin this forward to the 2021 Packers, and there's a lot of onus on that safety spot. I think Adrian Amos is going to be a great fit to come down and play that quarters and fill the run. He's got a little bit more bulk to him, a little bit better tackler in space, a little bit better tackler in a phone booth once he gets down into the box. Darnell Savage just needs to slow down. He has the speed. He has the ball skills. He has the foot quickness. It's whether he's trusting his eyes and can really tap into that speed. And I think he's just been thinking too much out there, and we've been finding ways of getting him just to play faster. So I do have some concerns with his ability to read and react. And I have some concerns about his ability to just tackle, which those have been the two kind of issues in his young career so far. So if Joe Barry gives him a manageable skill set and, you know, reads that he can handle and maybe it's just, you know, black, white, chocolate, vanilla type of reads out there that he can handle. I think he could tap into that. But it's a main reason why people thought he would be a fit to maybe move to nickel and put more of a true tackling safety back there with Amos, maybe a Vernon Scott, maybe a Henry Black. Uh, and maybe Savage competes with Chandon to be a little bit more of that nickel spot. So I love Amos and certainly have some concerns about Savage at this point. Yeah. And, and according to, to Joe Barry, Darnell Savage is, uh, is, is agitating to be that star position to play more nickel um, because he thinks he can do it. And guess what? He probably can. So let's finish on this. The Packers are trying to make just that incremental difference in their in their quality to get them over the hump over the last two years, NFC Championship game, heartbreak. So if they do it, if they are able to get to the Super Bowl, what will be the thing that they changed from last year to this year that allows them to do it? Or is it just, hey, uh, replicate it and get a little bit luckier? That's a great question. And that's something you could probably think about all off season and just thinking, what was that one thing that could have put us over the edge? And I said it not far after the NFC championship loss to the Bucks and trying to reflect and thinking, what happened? What did they need? What did they need to call? Uh, where did they go wrong? And I would have been more than comfortable saying, let's run it back. And just play better and yeah. execute better. And I really feel that way, Peter, that the past two years, were legitimate rosters to compete for Super Bowls. And they were right on the doorstep. And does that mean they go in and give the Chiefs challenge in 2019? I don't know. But I felt confident that they could compete against anybody in the league when they play right, when they're on their game. And obviously that Sunday against the Bucks, things didn't go their way and they made mistakes and credit to the opponent for capitalizing. But there isn't just one thing I would point to to say it will put them over the edge. But if you're twisting my arm, give me more impact players on the defensive trenches. And I think TJ Slayton is going to be the most impactful rookie on this team. That's Mm. Eric Stokes and Amari Rogers and anybody else included into that. And I might be willing to say that about the previous draft class as well. I think what he's going to do to this defensive front is going to help Kenny Clark going to help the edge rushers it's going to help the linebackers i think this kid is a monster tj slayton you cannot teach being 6'4 340 he is a house he is strong he is nimble and i think he's going to be a really good player so a piece to add to this team to put it over the hump give me a more impactful player in the trenches and i think that's going to start and end with tj slayton i love it 
I love it. And so will Lily Zhao, who's going to be on the show tomorrow as a former Gator herself. Ben, this is awesome, man. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, Peter. Always a pleasure to talk back with you. All right. I want to thank Ben for joining the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts star to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you could be saving money with Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got a neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get all of your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. And remember, the Locked On NFL podcast is previewing every team in every division with the help of Odyssey's lineup of NFL experts now through September 8th. There are preview episodes on the feed that you can listen to right now. Follow Locked On NFL on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. We've got Zhao Yuduin coming up tomorrow. Our last Zhao Yuduin of the not season, of the preseason. We're not in the preseason anymore, but we're not in the regular season anymore. We're in that, that in-between time. And next week, it will be time to talk about football. It will be time to talk about playing the game so this is the last Zayudun of, and the only Zayudun of that weird in-between time. And then we've got Dante Whitner coming up on Thursday. Really looking forward to having him on to talk about this defense, what it does, what it do, and what it will continue to do. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to The Leap at theleap.substack.com. Go check it out. New column up today from Jason Hershorn. I've got stuff coming later in the week that I'm really excited to talk to you about. So check that out. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers. 